Hello all, hello all, and welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. I am your host. I'm glad to be with you on this beautiful day. Listen, there's so much going on in politics today. We are still on the Republican side fighting to find out who is going to be the Speaker of the House, McCartney, for the seventh Time did not get enough votes to be the Speaker of the House. Now he's going against Akeem Jeffries. Talking about a man who was already elected uh, as the uh, minority speaker as it pertains to the Democrat Party. Now they are trying to push him up to become the uh, Speaker of the House. Even Republicans are buying to do it because they believe if they put Akeem up for Speaker of the House, they will be able to at least fight with him back and forth. And no matter how many times he writes out a plan, how many times the Democrats vote or at least come up with their plans, it's going to be shot down. Why? Because the Republicans, we rule the House. So they're looking to play games with your taxpayers' money. But my question and my statement and my answer to these folks that are thinking about doing that, let's stop with the antics. Let's stop with the games. Let's stop with the acting. Let's get it done. American people want it to be done. And every day you're not doing it, you're wasting taxpayers' money. Got to get it done. Elect Kevin McCarthy. Let us go in and let us get things rolling because everything right now is at a halt until that is chosen. Speaker of the House. Nothing can be done. The uh, committees cannot be ruled on and judged on and voted on. Nothing can take place. So my whole philosophy of this is let's get it done. I just had to say that because it's becoming ridiculous. Okay, This hasn't happened in over 100 years. Okay. I believe it was 1923 was the last time this took place as it pertains to uh, not being able to decide unanimously or at least uh, getting over the threshold of 218 votes to be the Speaker of the House. We've got to do something about it. There is something taking a foot. It's something that is happening, and we have to get on the same page some way, somehow. Let's stop the infighting within the Republican Party. Let's get it done, okay? Steve uh, Scalise said he didn't want it. Jim Jordan doesn't want it. He wants to sit on a judici judiciary committee. Let's allow that man to do that. Let's stop putting and nominating folks who don't want the job. Let's choose Kevin. Let's get it done. You heard it here on Real Talk. I had to say it. Listen, I'm back for another episode. I'm happy to be your host, as I always state, okay? I'm always happy to protect. I'm always happy to serve. Now, listen, if you have not had the opportunity to listen to the last episode, which was a beautiful, beautiful episode, entitled, okay, entitled, Guns Don't Kill People, People Kill People. Make sure you go back and listen. It was a great show. I thoroughly enjoyed bringing it to you, okay? It was a beautiful time. Uh, I had an opportunity to go on the Ricky Padgett show, which was fun times. Uh, and I want you to know this, that we're trying to get things done. We're trying to get things accomplished. That was season four, okay? Season four, the eighth episode. Now you were here tonight in episode nine. Episode nine, we have something to bring to you today. And I want to talk about it. So I'm sure, and I know I'm behind a little bit on this. I've had some 
things take place as far as uh, my schedule, nothing bad, but just busy and I couldn't get an, uh, an, an episode recorded. But I'm here today and as some of you are wondering, where am I going with what I'm talking about? I'm leading to a point. I'm leading somewhere. I'm taking you on a journey, taking you on a journey. Now, what we witnessed a few uh, now, say a month ago, uh, was the worst hostage negotiation efforts that we saw in American history, in my opinion, uh, which took place again about a month ago. Very horrible. It was very sad to see where we went with it as it pertains to negotiation styles and um, negotiation efforts on the uh, part of our current president, Joe Biden. Horrible deal that he made with the Russians to get back uh, Brittany Griner. Now, I'll be the first to say to you that I am in agreement that our citizens should be brought home, okay, from any country where they are being held captive. But if that being said has to break the rules of that said country, when you go over there and you break rules, okay, I do believe there's consequences to every um, action that you give. That is why I'm a police officer. I believe in when you commit a crime, we're here to help you understand what you did and take you into jail and to get you booked in and bring you to the court system, let the courts from there carry it on out. That's what I'm about. And we saw that with Brittany Griner. She went and committed a crime no matter how big or small it was. In that country, they consider that to be a big crime, okay, in Russia. Now, I do believe there's consequences. There's also punishment um, that should be imposed anytime anybody commits a, a, an act of violence, any act of uh, um, illegal um, narcotics, uh, any act of robberies, whatever it may be, homicide, whatever. There's consequences to that. I also believe that the punishment should also uh, fit the, the, the crime. I do believe that too in the same breath I'm speaking to you. It also should be weighed out and based on upon the level of crime or law that you committed, uh, or that you broke, that is obvious that it should be based uh, on your punishment, on your level of um, what they call indictment and charges and, and, and your level of, of prison um, a, a, as it pertains to your punishment. Okay, I do believe that. I do believe that uh, the obvious fact is that we know that we cannot control the penalties and crimes and laws that are on the books in other countries. We, we do understand and realize that. I, I totally, thoroughly, okay, understand all of that. But what I will say to you is um, that is why it should always behoove you to make sure, okay, I'm speaking to every American, including myself, when you travel outside the U.S. and you go into other countries that you don't have any contraband that's illegal, you don't have any drugs, you don't have any weapons that are illegal, anything that will stop you and allow you to be detained in that country, said country, even if you're passing through, okay, you have an obligation to make sure that you're abiding by the rules and laws, okay, of, uh, of said country. Just the same as every state. Example, if you're a concealed carry um, permit holder, you understand that, guess what, not in all 50 states are you allowed to uh, carry your weapon through. So you need to know what the laws are in those states before you bring your weapon uh, and conceal it, or even a firearm in general, because every laws are different in every state. And if you if you are a legal age to be an adult, you understand this. You, you if you're able to comprehend, you understand that every law is different in all fifty states. And so, uh, could you imagine that it would be different in other countries? Absolutely. So we cannot negate the fact uh, that is uh, the case. Okay, we got to keep that in mind. It's a basic principle. It's a solid principle. And unfortunately, maybe in America, we don't adhere to it or go by it, but other countries do, like Russia. Okay? They do. 
So here's a question I have to pose um, or propose to you today. How does the United States actually negotiate with other countries regarding hostages and prisoners? How do they negotiate that? Well, I'm glad that you asked because today's show is sitting around just that. Today's show, the United States negotiation tactics. That is what we're going to be discussing today. That is where we're going with it. That's what we're going to be talking about. How does the United States negotiate for set prisoners who are either a prisoner of war, uh, a political prisoner, a prisoner who happened to go over to another country and break laws? We're going to discuss all that. Now, I'll also be the first to say in my humble opinion that our country failed. Again, I said that earlier in the beginning of the show. It failed in the efforts of negotiating uh, the release of merchant of death that they call merchant of death. Uh, Russia's man, I like to call as well. We traded the merchant of death, okay, for WNBA basketball slash Olympic athlete. And okay, I get it. I understand that she won uh, a few medals, okay? We get that in the uh, uh, World Olympic uh, Olympics. I get it. Good for her. I know you're thinking, what in the world, man? He's pretty harsh. No, no. I'm just stating facts. I'm stating the truth. So what um, is and who is the merchant of death? Where, after all, Victor Bout is his uh, government Russian name, is a mega millionaire who uh, happens to be a, a, a arms dealer. What is that? He sells um, weapons, firearms, grenades, C4, whatever it may be. He's an arms dealer, okay? Uh, who was caught red-handed and convicted for illegally selling guns to many countries, okay? That's why he was in our United States prison. Bout is known for his brutal and brutal blood wars, okay, with other countries. It happened in Africa, in, in the area of Congo, and the area of Rwanda, in the area of uh, Sierra Leone, back in March of 2008. Now, keep in mind, Bout was caught attempting to sell uh, to the Colombian rebel uh, group, a.k.a. FARC, at least 10 million rounds of ammunition. He tried to sell them some mounted anti-craft canyons that could take down an airliner. Listen to this. And 30,000, 30,000, AK-47 assault rifles. Tried to sell this to a Colombian militia. Okay. Little did he know there was a setup, but we'll go further. FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. That's what that stands for, a.k.a. the People's Army. They consider themselves to be the People's Army. So it is a rebel organization that basically started its own militia, okay, in Colombia. They still exist. Keep in mind, Bout not only sold guns on the black market, this is what he was uh, known for, he had access to pretty much everything you could imagine, okay, militia-wise, including aircraft, and vehicles, had all that, okay? So I'm giving you a history of who Bout is, okay? Bout did a great deal of negotiations with the heads uh, of the FARC group, Ricardo and Carlos, okay? Two brothers who went in uh, agreement and started the militia. He even tried to escape uh, the U.S. government's detection. So he tried to do all this without the U.S. government being a part of and knowing, but of course, some of our elite uh, units, some of our elite agencies as it pertains to law enforcement was on his trail. CIA, okay, uh, ATF, things like that, agencies like that. But little did he know, okay, that the two leaders were working with the Thai 
and U.S. government to catch him in the act. Goes back to what I was saying. He was set up. Carlos and Ricardo was working behind the scenes about thought they were on his team. And he was going to be able to get all these illegal weapons in. Like I told you, 30,000 AK-47s and things like that. Well, the DA, DEA was the main uh, agency that played a huge role in the capture and the uh, building, as we say in law enforcement, evidence, a case upon him. Okay, Along with the Thai police, they helped to do this too. They launched what they call an investigation against Bout's uh, business deals back in March of 2007. Uh, all they were uh, able and, and did do, uh, they just wanted to build a huge case against them, okay? Uh, this case, believe it or not, as we know, if you know anything about the federal government, they don't move fast. They move very methodically, and uh, at least as it pertains to criminal justice, law enforcement, and the uh, legal side of it, okay, criminal justice, they go ahead and they work it, they work it, they work it until they get a huge case built, and then they're ready to move in. It took them four years, four years to build a solid, strong case where they knew it would stick against uh, Mr. Bow, okay? Uh, to be exact, four years and one month it took. But now the feds were able to seal their case. Like I said, they're, they're, they're big into doing this. They're all about it. Bigger the better, okay? Smaller, not good. They want to build a big case. Bow was ultimately arrested and extracted uh, from that area uh, where he was doing his illegal deeds, okay? Um, not sure exactly what they called him, but I want to maybe say Colombia or maybe in Thai. Actually, they called him in Thailand to be exact, okay? Um, they extradited him back to the United States of America, and there he was indicted, and he was charged and found guilty, and he was serving a 25-year sentence in our American prison. Okay, you heard me say that. Before, obviously... <laughs> He did not finish out his 25 years. You can count it from all the way from 2008 when he went in uh, up until now. Okay, he, he barely served uh, 10 years. Of course, he, he got over that threshold. But at the end of the day, this man was serving a 25-year sentence. He needed to serve every bit of it. Because as Americans, we know when we commit federal crimes, what happens? You have to serve every day, every month, every hour, every second of it. Okay, we know that. There's no appeal in that. You have to go through the process. That's the way the feds work. But yet, Biden alone, his uh, secretary, okay, uh, was able, okay, the secretary of state, they were able to negotiate a weak deal to get back a WNBA player, okay? And I got more where this came from. Wait till you hear more about it, okay? We have other prisoners currently as we speak that are stuck over in Russia, but Bob's business partner, I made Jack his name, his name up, uh, Zachary Ziswez, I'm going to say. We'll just call him Zachary, okay? He was also arrested as his business partner. He was able to swindle and do uh, deals. He was a, he was the money man. He was the money man. Kept, with all, kept up with all the paperwork, okay? He was also arrested. Maybe not giving as much time um, as Bob, but he did serve a sentence. And as far as I know, that was not a part of negotiation deals to get him out, but who knows? Uh, I got to look into that now that I speak on it. Didn't even think about it. He could have been part of that deal to get out um, by trading Brittany Griner. We'll look more into it and find out what the real deal is, okay? So why 25 years in prison? Why was Bout serving 25 years in prison? I know you want to know. Bout had made a string of incriminating statements that violated the specific sections of United States federal laws, okay? So in the Southern District of New York, which is where some of the case took place, which handled most of the federal terrorism cases against Bout. 
the they eventually had charges of conspiracy to kill Americans, conspiracy to kill American officials, and the performance of their duties to support terrorism, to sell anti-craft missiles, uh, carrying a minimum of 25 years sentence, all this, uh, and a maximum of life, which they didn't give him. They gave him the minimum. And again, he's out free back in Russia doing the same thing he's been doing. He didn't serve that term completely. I'm building a story. I'm going somewhere. I know the United States negotiation tactics. That's what we're talking about. So how do we get there? I'm going to be saying that later on. Stick with me. Now, let me add that Bout hates America. I'm going to show you a trend. Bout hates America. Despite what he said in a recent interview, uh, this man is now being invited to all types of interviews around uh, American territory and probably outside the country to do interviews with a criminal merchant of death. We already know uh, they made a movie about this man that I haven't seen yet, but I do want to watch it and see where they went with it, okay, about the Victor Bout. They made a movie about him, so we do want to go back and see what that was all about, okay? Now, even President Biden has acknowledged that the swap wasn't exactly fair. He said it himself that the swap between uh, Brittany Griner and Victor Bow, a.k.a. Merchant of Death, was not equal and, and really fair because you got a guy by the name of Paul Wheeling over there and a couple others I will discuss later on within this episode. So Biden knew all along it was not fair. He shouldn't have done it. Uh, that at best, Griner was an, an averted criminal. These are his words. And Bow, an experienced criminal and a lethal criminal. Now, that says a lot about what Biden did, says a lot of where we're going with it and where we went with it. Now, Brittany Griner was accused of an international drug smuggling. That's what Russia charged her with. Was it was the penalty very heavy compared to what she had, which was a point uh, seventh of, gra of a gram, uh, seven grams of hash oil? I think that was, a, again, a very harsh, but you heard me stated in the opening monologue of this show that if you if you commit a crime, you got to do the time. In other countries, uh, they hold different crimes in our country uh, higher than, 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 than us. And we may hold crimes higher than uh, other countries. But Russia believes that any amount of um, hash is uh, very, very much uh, a huge penalty. So I'm not condoning what she did. Let me be clear that not condoning her actions, Brittany Griner, but in reality, again, she was only caught with uh, 0.7 grams of hash oil, which is uh, the average equivalent weight size of a raisin when you look at it. So really, and I'm going to be talking about being political hostages and, and political prisoners uh, due to countries fighting or not liking each other. So one would pose a question, was this a political uh, deal that they actually charged her with basically having a, a, a raisin amount of hash oil and inside of a tube or inside of her e-cigarette, I don't know. Um, was it worth it? We have to look at those facts and state, I don't know. What there? I don't make the rules in Russia. But what we do have to do is do the math and see does it equal out to one another. Now, however, Bout and Griner do share something in common, like I just stated earlier. Uh, Bout hates America, and we pretty much know that Brittany Griner made it very clear that she also dislikes America. Maybe I'll use the word dislike for her. Bout hates America. We know. He tried to kill us, plotted to kill innocent Americans through his illegal 
um, uh, arms dealing. Almost, I want to say drug dealing, but he probably was doing that too. But yeah, Griner, she refused to stand for the national anthem. She believes that this country suppresses black people, but yet she is a WNBA basketball player along with being a uh, uh, World Olympic, which means that she went overseas and represented our nation who is racist. Do the math there as well. Both have something in common, though. They hate America. And one you have to look at was born in America. The other came to America, again, to commit heinous crimes on American, uh, or I should say heinous crimes against Americans. Then you had Brittany Griner, who was born here, who hates America. Imagine that. Um, and at the end of the day, the other was sent to carry out a prison sentence, okay, as it pertains to his dealings, his illegal dealings, and one was uh, sent to carry out a sentence over in Russia due to her uh, raising size amount of hash oil. The analogy that I'm trying to make, the picture that I'm trying to paint, is that both hate America. Again, I said more like dislike for Britney. And I'm putting words in her mouth. It may just be a strong hate. Now, does she still have this hate? I don't know. But I would hope if that if she did have it at one time, which we know she did, uh, she won't have it now. She made a statement, if I can recall, why do we need to stand for the national anthem? Why should I stand for a national anthem for a country that has been inadvertently racist for years? Slavery was done over 300 years ago, but yet we're still uh, discussing it. We're still talking about it. But let's not forget about the other three U.S. citizens that are left over in Russia. Paul Wheeling, who, let me break out his background, was arrested back in December of um, 2018. And in June 2020, he was convicted of spying and sentenced to 16 years in prison. Now, I understand that Paul Wheeling was ultimately, in my opinion, from my reads and investigations set up, okay, by the Russian government. But he was charged with basically espionage. Okay, he was given a 16-year prison sentence that he's still right now currently serving. So you left Brittany, excuse me, you took Brittany and you left Wheeling there. And I'm going to name a couple others. From what I could research and find about Wheeling, unfortunately, uh, he was used as that political pawn that I talked about earlier, that political prisoner, that political espionage uh, ram, or that political uh, um, hostage. He was set up at the end of the day. Basically, what happened in a nutshell so Wheeling, uh, being former military in the Marines, he did serve. Uh, unfortunately, he was kicked out for a dishonorable discharge due to uh, having sticky fingers, which we'll discuss in a moment. But he uh, was basically set up. Uh, he went over to Russia with a buddy who was getting married who actually lived in, a, in, in Russia. See, Wheeling had been to Russia before, okay, uh, through his dealings with the military. But then... Also, he met some friends. I don't know if he met friends there or had friends all along, but a buddy lived in Russia who was getting married. Uh, ultimately, Wheeling was invited to the wedding, okay, to take part in the ceremony. Now, somehow, uh, Wheeling was giving a flash drive with what he thought was wedding pictures, as he is alleged to be a um, connoisseur, a um, person who is a freelancer of photography, so his job was to take these flash drives, which what he thought was wedding photos on them, and but in actuality it contained sensitive information, uh, information that displayed to the government allegedly that he uh, was committing a spying 
uh, attack, which in uh, another good term, military term, government term, espionage, okay, spying. Uh, type of evidence was on this flashcard, believe it or not. Now, the Russians ultimately accused him of spying. That's what they accused Wheeling of. How much evidence did they have? I don't know. But again, when you go to other countries, you got to know what you're dealing with. You got to understand if you're not there on a mission uh, that was brought by the government or by the embassy, you're on your own when you go over there in these other countries and definitely third world uh, communist countries. The government does not have, the U.S. government doesn't have a huge obligation to step in right away, but you would think they would want to seize and retrieve American citizens, which is what kind of rut we fell into. Now, this was more publicized dealing that it was a celebrity of some sort, Brittany Griner, uh, that was stranded and stuck and imprisoned by the Russians. Now, yes, we do know that Wheeling was a former Marine. Like I stated earlier, he was dishonorably discharged due to the fact that he had um, made a theft of over $10,000 in government property. So was this enough to get him discharged? Absolutely. He took and attempted um, to sell the property that he had obtained from the government illegally. So did he, did he deserve to be removed from the United States uh, Marine Corps? Absolutely. Every day of the week he was. Uh, don't forget, though, Wheeling held a also a high-ranked position in the military. He was able to work his way up. He lost all that. Lost all that. Now, did he deserve to be set up in a foreign country? Absolutely not. And used as the political pun? Absolutely not. Somebody said, well, it was his job to know what was on that flash drive. Why did he take something that uh, he knew nothing about or knew what was on it? I don't know. You got to ask him that question. But in my opinion, my humble opinion, when you go to other countries like Russia on your own merit, again, you have to understand and accept consequences and the liability that things can go wrong, especially if they find that American is in their country and they want to make some type of deals anyways because Russia does not like America. Uh, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin does not like America, especially right now, what we've been doing with Ukraine, helping aiding them, whether it's financially or uh, giving them tools of the trade, weapons. Uh, machinery and, and vehicles, better believe it. I would never be caught over there. Wouldn't have been caught over before, but definitely not now. Now, did Wheeling deserve to be released from Russia? Absolutely, right when we, uh, Griner was, really before that. America should be doing its very, very best to get Wheeling home, okay? Should be doing its very, very best. Now, according to The Hill, uh, there are still two other Americans in Russia currently as well, besides Wheeling. Uh, as a result of maybe a political pun or an illegal act. And I believe I have one more that committed some type of illegal uh, act. And I'm going to talk about Mark Fogel, okay? Or Fogel, however you want to pronounce it. Fogel is a history teacher from Pittsburgh, um, excuse me, Pittsburgh, who taught the children uh, of the U.S. diplomats abroad, okay? So that was his job. That's what he did. Now, he was detained in Moscow back in um, August of last year, okay? And what happened was he had a very small amount, uh, again, of, guess what, illegal substance in Russia and would be here in America of marijuana, okay, medical marijuana to be exact. And he alleged used it for chronic back pain. Now, in June of 21, okay, uh, Fogel, who is 61 years old, was sentenced to, guess what, 14 years at a labor camp, which he's doing hard time now. Very sad. And I pray that we bring him home. So now what you got, 
Who do you have? Paul Wheeling. Now you have Mark Fogel. And I'm going to tell you about one more happens to be a female. She's also stranded and stuck over in Russia as a political pun, um, in my opinion. She is Sarah Kravinek or Kravinik. Okay, she's 46 years old. She moved to Russia from Fresno, California. Big mistake of her life. Five years ago. Now, six years ago. Uh, to teach at a Russian private school. Here we go teaching again in Russia. I'm sure the money's great. Private contractor, we get it. Uh, but on uh, last year, so back in 2020, okay, uh, Kravinek was involved in a domestic abuse situation with her boyfriend. Imagine this. Listen to this. Happens all the time in America. And allegedly... Uh, this is huge and very big to them. In my opinion, I think the Russians found out that there were two Americans. Uh, well, she was American. Her husband was Russian, hence the last name. Uh, found out that she was over there, and they needed to make deals anyways, and they probably had in mind. I'm sure they tried to negotiate it with President Trump uh, and couldn't do it as it pertains to, um, guess what? Being a prisoner of war and probably wanting, uh, I shouldn't say war, but a political pun, and them, I'm sure they wanted Victor Bout, a.k.a. Merchant of Death, back years ago. And I'm sure Trump said negative. So she's over there, got into a fight with her boyfriend, okay? Allegedly, she grabbed a knife to defend herself. Makes sense, if that's what it is. Uh, she ended up nicking the, the, the boyfriend very lightly. And let me back up. I said boyfriend as if uh, her last name was Kravnik as if they're married. Maybe she has ties to Russia, Poland, I don't know, but her name appears to be a Russian name. So um, definitely disregard, they're not married, but she basically nicked her boyfriend, slashed him um, on the hand very slightly, ever so much. Now Kravnik was ultimately arrested, okay, by Russian authorities, and she was detained for roughly, get this, a year, despite her boyfriend retracting the event. So when you look at retracting the events, did it really happen? Okay, he tried to retract them, take them back. Didn't happen. Don't want to charge. They weren't trying to hear the Russian government. She was released last month, but detained again at a Moscow airport. So when I say last month, during the time of this research, we have to say she was detained back in November. So she was released. Okay, in November, then when she got to. The airport in Moscow, maybe to come back to America, because she's probably saying, I'm done. I'm out of here. Should have never been. If you want a Russian that bad, marry, get you a Russian over here in America, okay? That's just my advice to you, Sarah. You don't have to take it. But she was ultimately detained in Moscow, the airport, okay? And when she tried to leave the country, according to the People magazine, which take it for uh, granted or lightly, uh, Sarah was, again, incarcerated. And also, she was not authorized to leave the country and return home. You do the math. Now, Sarah's currently awaiting trial or awaiting some type of justice in a holding facility. Uh, and while that being figured out, she cannot leave Russia. And she's trying to figure out why can't she leave Russia. So she can't leave trying to figure it out. Now, Sarah Friends is uh, currently raising money through GoFundMe to, to have her release. Not sure what that's going to do. Uh, Russians don't want money. They want to exchange prisoners, especially don't want money from civilians. Now, the department, the State Department told the People magazine that the request is currently under review um, and they've talked to the Russian government. But guess what? They repeatedly, repeatedly um, keep delaying it. And 
talking about the Russian government, and the Russian government has also repeatedly denied um, her access and also delayed her from leaving. What do we do now? But we were still able to negotiate a very, very dangerous prisoner we had in our possession, um, Victor Bout, for Brittany Griner. So you see where I'm going with all this? Now, several months ago, the United States was successful in negotiating the release of an American by the name of Trevor Reed. So we got two of them out. Let's add one more to the uh, uh, list. So Brittany Griner, Trevor Reed, so who had been in Russia in prison since 2019. Now, Reed was arrested on assaulting two Russian. He had assaulted two Russian police officers, allegedly, during an altercation. Now, he was charged with endangering the life and health of said police officers in Russia. Now, the release ended nearly three years um, after being in prison. So he was originally sentenced, Reed was, for nine years. He was supposed to serve a nine-year term uh, that took place back in July 2020 for endangering, again, the life and health of the police officers in Russia. Now, excuse me. I'm a cop, as you know. But assaulting cops and being set up with a flash drive, okay, you follow me? which contains um, information, allegedly, espionage information, is night and day, in my opinion. Okay, The crimes don't equate. They don't even equal each other. Now, I do believe, I do believe that uh, there should be exceptions to the rules when you're looking at things like this. Now, I don't make rules. I follow them and I enforce them, as well as laws. But don't forget about the Marine... Okay, Wheeling, and don't forget about Fogel, and don't forget about Sarah. Now, I want to move forward. I want to switch gears and talk about how uh, the United States negotiates its efforts to have prison swaps, or as we like to call it, prisoners uh, exchange. So, now, the former press secretary, Jen Psaki, told a group of reporters, of course, you know she's not there anymore right now in the Biden, but... She told a group of reporters that the president had to make a very hard decision to commute the sentence of Konstantin Yurakashino, um, or Shinko, which was a, rug, a Russian smuggler who was convicted of conspir- conspiring to import cocaine. Follow me on this now. Are you watching? Are you listening? Now, who is Yurakashino, or Yeroshenko, however you want to pronounce it? Uh, he was a Russian pilot who had been detained in Liberia, okay, by undercover U.S. Drug Enforcement Agents, a.k.a. DEA, uh, back on March 28, 2010. And he was brought to the United States, according to Russia's state news agency, to go ahead and be convicted and serve a sentence for smuggling the drugs. Now, this took place in 2011. The case took place in 2011. And he was ultimately sentenced to 20 years in prison which he was serving, which he was serving in, in federal prison. He was serving that at the Correctional Institution in Danbury, Connecticut. Now, he denied all charges against him, stated he didn't do it. Now, what appeared to be through my investigation that only reason that Reed himself was even considered to be released by Russia was due to the health concerns of Reed. So we have to go back and look at that. Only reason why Reed was able to even be um, released from prison, he had some very, very concerning health uh, uh, issues. And I, I, and I hate to read from CNN, but unfortunately, it's the best information I can find. Reed's father was interviewed by a CNN anchor 
uh, and stated that he was suffering from tuberculosis, that he was coughing up blood and he had a broken rib. How do you think he got that? Probably maybe a little bit of a jab while he was in the Russian custody, as they are known for boxing. Just saying. Now, Reed had gone to prison to a hospital, but did not receive treatment. So they said, look, we gave him um, some time to go get examined. But what Russia did not do for him, they didn't actually physically treat him. But they took him to the hospital. That's just to say they checked off that box, in my opinion. And then they would send him to solitary, um, solitary confinement, which if you know what that is, that's all by yourself. All by myself. I don't want to be all. But that's where he was. He was all by himself. So Reed then went on to go on a stronger high, uh, strike. He became very skinny. Okay, he protested this. Says, look, if you don't want to give me the treatment, I'm not going to eat. I'll just die. Because we know we need nourishing, nourishing uh, items or, or, or products. Um, we need nourishment to survive. If you don't have it, you will die at some point. So he went on a hunger strike. Okay, Reed's parents stated that he was protesting. Okay, against what was going on. So his parents went out and did. They also committed a protest. They went on the uh, in front of the White House to protest in hopes that uh, President um, Biden, I believe, would go ahead and secure what we call. Guess what? Can go ahead and secure a meeting so that he can get out of there. Now, Reeds ultimately did have an opportunity to meet with President Biden, the Reeds family. They were able to meet mom and dad on Trevor's Reeds' behalf, was able to meet with President uh, Biden. And the meeting lasted for about a half hour and back in November, okay? The meeting lasted about a half an hour. Now, apparently Biden listened and made this exchange with Russia, okay? So now keep in mind, we didn't hear about this, but, um, <coughs> excuse me, it took place, excuse me. Now, keep in mind why this exchange is happening. The Wheeling family is sitting back watching. Nothing they can do, right? They don't have access to have a meeting which they have been pounding and pounding and pounding trying to get a meeting on the books of Biden as well. How do you think the Wheeling family felt? How do you think they felt? Now, we have to pause for a second and say, do you see the commonality of the prisoners <clears throat> that we were swapping, okay? Or I should say swapping out with Russia, because all this is about Russia right now. Now, they're hardcore criminals who are ultimately endangering others in uh, uh, countries, other civilians in America, as myself, being endangered. And other people, we were giving these people back to Russia, okay, and taking some of our prisoners, and I get it, due to the fact that the swaps did not equate. They did not add up to one another. Again, Brittany Griner, Wheeling, okay, Sarah, I'm not going to put them in chronological order, but we know I'm showing you the weight of it, okay? Now, Victor Bow, 
High-profile criminal all the way up here. Brittany Griner down here. You see the swaps? You see how we're making these swaps? It's very bad. Very bad negotiation-style dealings. Horrible. Never been negotiated as of yet, but I can tell you, I would like to think I would do a better job. Now, we have to take a look at every American that has been detained in Russia. Again, we're sticking and we're staying on Russia for a moment. And their accusations and the crimes that they have been allegedly um, been able to commit. Does this even scratch? My question to you, does it scratch the surface of what Russia's prisoners have done? Again, Victor Bao. Zachary. Now, here is the bigger picture. I want you to follow me on this. Some of our people were alleged to have broken Russian law. Again, alleged. We believe that we had an espionage hit or a uh, setup on Wheeling. was never really confirmed, but the Russian government was able to do it. You got uh, a size of a raisin, 0 0.7 grams, grinding was found with of hash oil, uh, and then you had, guess what? A medical marijuana, very, very, very small amount. Uh, Mark Fogel is detained and imprisoned. Now, you look at Victor Bout, you know all the crimes I've stated earlier that he committed. Does it equate? Does it add up? Who broke the law in reality? Who broke multiple laws in other countries as well? Thai. Thailand, Colombia, America. The list goes on. Oh, Africa. Okay. And the continent of Africa with all those other countries. Congo. Liberia. Sierra Leone. Victor Bout committed all that. Does it equate? In my opinion, in my humble opinion, it does not. But their people are seen, heard, talking about Victor as well, and federal government went as far as DA of actual having live recordings, recordings of Victor Bowden and Zach committing crimes. Now, point blank is this, Brittany Griner, Paul Wheeling, Trevor Reed, Mark Fogel, Sarah, were all alleged to have committed these crimes. Yes, we know Paul Wheeling was given a flash drive, which allegedly contained espionage information. We can't negate the fact that he did have a flash card, whether he knew it was on or not. He did have access to the flash card. We get it. We do know that Brittany Griner was caught visibly with this small amount. Now, again, not condoning. We do know that, uh, guess what? Uh, Mark Fogel had a uh, small amount of medical marijuana. We do know, allegedly, that uh, Sarah and her boyfriend had a fight. Allegedly, it was cut. Boyfriend tried to recant the, the, the events. They wouldn't let him do it. Trevor Reed allegedly assaulted two police officers. They never stated that he physically injured them. They just said put him in harm's way. Life and health risk. You get what I'm going with it? Do you understand how I'm breaking it down to you? Let's do the math here. Did these things really happen? Because, again, we know what Victor did. Got proof of it. Video. Audio. Got it all. On paper. What more do you need? Does it negate? My whole question to you, should we have given our prisoners, like Brittany, 
opportunity as we gave back one of the most dangerous men in Russian history? Should we have done it? That's what my question is to each and every one of you who's listening and watching. Now, I want to digress because that was a lot to pack, a lot to take in. And I want to move on to the actual statement of this show, the United States negotiation tactics. I'm going to move very quickly, very swiftly, very briskly. Okay, don't want to stick around too long. Now, how does the United States negotiate its prisoners exchange-wise? So as you already could imagine, taking hostages uh, is nothing new. This has been going on since the 1400s, so let's keep that in mind. Now, in 1979, we saw our very first hostage negotiations take place. It was fueled by demands of collateral and also political uh, or property gain, okay? That's what, we, that's what we had back in the 1400s. That's what you saw in 1979, which is what we see nowadays as it pertains to taking hostages, right? The ones I just mentioned, mentioned to you fit all three of those boxes. Now, the only difference in today's society is that more U.S. hostages are now being held in foreign government or by the foreign government um, than by terrorist or military groups, okay? At that time, there was a lot of that going on. Uh, military and terrorist militias was holding um, hostages. Now the government stepped in, and they're doing it more than not. And we see that with the uh, Russian government. Now, the U.S. government considered Brittany Griner as a wrongful or wrongfully detained prisoner. I wouldn't go as far as saying wrongfully detained but I would probably put a measure on it saying that uh, it was overstepped uh, and overstepped detainment. How about that? Now, according to Dr. Danielle Gilbert, she stated, uh, who happens to be the assistant professor of military and strategic studies at the United States uh, Air Force Academy. And she also has done um, extensive research on the causes and consequences of hostage uh, taking and international security, including projects like the rebel kidnapping, hostage recovery policy, hostage diplomacy, and ransomware, which is a big thing, and they do that a lot when uh, countries overtake uh, other countries' um, ransom, uh, where which is done uh, through technology, computers, uh, cyber. We've had several attacks ransomware-wise uh, on our large governments. happened with Atlanta. And the uh, COVID, uh, the I should say suspect, the offender, was asking that the government of Atlanta City, Georgia, uh, turn over millions and millions of dollars to them. Otherwise, they had uh, been able to attack their technica uh, technology infrastructure, and they were holding the hostage. So it may not be necessarily in 2023, a physical hostage of a person, human, is now also dealing with ransomwares. It is taking over bank account. It is taking over um, sensitive information government-wise. So they can do all those things as well. Keep that in mind. Now, according to Dr. Gilbert, wrongful detain detention is a technical legal character uh, trait or category designated by the U.S. government. That's what the government considers it. There are lots of Americans who are arrested overseas currently. All the time it happens. It happens all the time. For breaking the laws of that foreign country, which I talked about earlier, know the laws and rules for your step foot. In the vast majority of those cases, the United States government does not get involved, which I stated earlier, most times you're on your own. 
There's no objection to that because we understand you free will to go over to these countries. Okay, they accept you and your passport's up to date and they um, grant you access to, into their country. If an American breaks a law in a country and we believe that that person is being treated fairly, uh, they go through the criminal justice system of the foreign country just like we would expect in any different sovereign states, according to government. That's how this works, okay? Now, if an American um, still at that point has an issue with it, or sometimes those arrests are used for a leverage as it pertains to political puns, or they are carried out in a way that is unfair or unsafe, the government most likely steps in, okay, to make something happen uh, to free these folks. Now, they're talking about it, but are they about it? We see that um, Trevor E. was only released due to the hunger strike and having uh, tuber tuberculosis. And then you still have Paul Wheeling over there who maybe need to take Trevor's advice and uh, uh, go on a hunger strike. And, and, and I'm sure he stated that he's been mistreated uh, over there on foreign soil. Now, a couple of years ago, seven members of the Congress got together, okay, and they wrote a bill that was entitled Robert... Levinson, hostage recovery and hostage taken accountability act. Very long. Very long. <laughs> Not even going to say it again. They came up with this bill. A couple uh, congressmen and women. Now, the law is named after this gentleman who was an American who went missing in Iran in 2007. The United States government believed that he was being held essentially as a Iranian um, hostage, okay, over in Iran. Now, within that legislation, the United States Congress laid out 11 different criteria that would potentially designate um, if a person has been wrongfully detained as an American. It's only for Americans right now, okay? So how does the United States government deems a citizen to be wrongfully detained? Here goes the first step. And I'm going to move very fast in this one. The United States Department reviews the case um, by the Americans held abroad, okay? If the Secretary of State, which I stated earlier, uh, which is who makes ultimately the decision and recommendations. So the Secretary of State is the one that made the recommendations to Biden. He just only checked off on it, really. Okay, they do, they handle the, the, the negotiation practices as well, uh, the Secretary of State. So, our Secretary of State thought it's much uh, easier to get old boy back. So Anthony Blinken thought it would be a great idea to get uh, Victor Bow out, Merchant of Death, and get um, Brittany Griner back in our country. Blame the Secretary of State. Now, he determines, he or she at this point is a he, that at least one of these criteria are relevant. So you only need one, really. Then the case receives the wrongfully detained designation. Then it goes to the channels. But that person's case is then moved to the office of the special presidential uh, envoy for hostage affairs. Didn't know we had such, did you? Didn't either. Till I started doing extensive research. Again, this has been weeks of research. And that's another reason why I hadn't put this show together yet. Now, the chief U.S. Uh, diplomat or hostage negotiator who works on securing the release of those Americans wrongfully detained abroad takes it from there. So then it goes over to the chief U.S. diplomat. Okay. Now keep in mind that we do have more Americans who have been wrongfully detained in other countries and in other parts of the world. Okay. And some of them have been in prisons uh, since 2015 all the way 
2016. Keep that in mind. Now, another thing that you need to know is that the negotiation process is very tedious, very stringent, okay, and it can take months, if not years, to get that accomplished. Okay? Mouth's a little dry. Bear with me here. Okay? Doing a lot of talking. Now, it takes months, years to get this thing accomplished. Now, it is the job of the United States Secretary of State, like I stated earlier, to oversee the negotiations process. Even though it goes to the chief, the United States chief uh, diplomat, it is the job and the duty of the Secretary of State, which at this point, again, happens to be Anthony Blinken. Okay, So he's responsible for the horrible prisoner swap that we saw, the deal that we saw uh, months, a month ago or so. Now, it's only my job to call out the obvious, and that's what I'm doing. However, President Biden is the ultimate point man, in my opinion, for this exchange. He signed off, he signed off on it. He could have said, no, I'm not doing it. It's a bad deal. I ain't going to sign off on it, Anthony. Go back to the drawing board. See, in my opinion, I would have said, okay, this is the way you want to go, Russia. Really don't want to give you Victor Bout back, but if I'm going to do that, I want all the prisoners back. Who's to say they didn't try? I don't know. But I would have stood right there. And unfortunately, Brittany, you would have stayed there until we made this deal happen. Yeah, we'll give you the merchant of death. And a part of this deal, if we ever catch him back in our country again, not only are we going to kill him, okay, we're going to kill multiple people. Yeah, some may say, well, they go they go World War Three. I don't know. But what I do know is this. You got to put stipulations. You got to hone down on it. You got to believe in it. And you have to not waver from it. And as a result, Biden, I'm looking you in the camera eye. You failed, brother. Horrible job. Horrible job on that, my friend. You did a horrible job. Now, if we were even going to entertain the prisoner swap, uh, it should have come again with heavier stipulations added to it. That's what we should have done. Now, I have to admit the release of prisoner bow is still, in my opinion, it definitely does not equate to all of the other prisoners. I'm sorry. This man's very dangerous and he's going to strike again. He's probably working out deals right now. I hope that when he was released, our federal government put some type of uh, monitoring device, the chip, the mark of the beast in this man. <laughs> I wish so that we can track him for the rest of his days. Because if you think that Victor Bout is not going to commit any other terrorist attacks or thereof, um, which he had been successful yet in our country, but he has been in Africa, uh, of course, kill off black people. Imagine that, right? Um, if you think he won't strike again, you got another thing coming. I'm talking to the federal government. And I pray whoever uh, is our next president in 24 that we realize that this is a dangerous man. All eyes should be watched on him and many others all around the country. Now, even an elementary student, in my opinion, can figure that out. It's very simple. He is going to strike again at some point, And you better be ready. Please, let's not forget about those who are locked away in prison cells right in foreign lands. Don't forget about them. As we gear up, okay, or as we already done it, this time I was preparing the show to do it before Christmas. I, I was going to state that as we gear up to celebrate Christmas. But now as we've already surpassed Christmas, we even moved on to a new year. Do not forget about these political prisoners. Remember that they also have families, okay, and loved ones. And I pray for the safe return of every American citizen. It is the job of the United States government to do their best to get these Americans back on American soil safely, though.
Now, should I uh, or should some type of penalty be imposed against these people that have broken the rules and laws? I definitely 100% believe it should. And it should be up to those countries to have that based on their own merit. But to lock them away for 10, 15, 20, 25 years uh, in solitary confinement, that is horrible. Yes, they should be taught a lesson. I do believe that. And if everyone who's thinking about going over to these countries, understand this. You need to make the right decision. You got to understand it is no joke out there. They're serious. And you don't want to be caught over there. Do the right thing. I hope that this show has really given you an insight on how we negotiate on also an insight on who's over in Russia left right now as it pertains to the political pond of uh, Russia, the prisoners that we have left. It is your job as an American to do your research. It is your job as the government to try and free these people. I'm done. Listen, I'm going to leave it there. I thoroughly enjoy bringing this show to you like I always do. And I always say uh, in this breath that you should always be willing to reach one and teach one. Now, please stay tuned for the next episodes, okay? Because I have some great ones coming your way. Please stay tuned for that, okay? Here on Real Talk, I am your host. I'm Officer Antoine Thomas. Yep, that's me. As I always say, God continue to bless our country, bless our men and women that are serving in our armed forces, and God, please continue to bless the many women that are serving in blue. And until the next episode, I'll see you. When I see you. If I see you.